John, I'm thinking about starting, but everybody's just having a good time, so Sasha, you probably wait. Oh, how's everybody doing out there? You guys good today? It's good to see you. So, so who is it? Like, like who is your favorite Christmas character? Uh, on the front row, I, I heard uh, Mrs. Claus, which like, like I wasn't ready for that one. All right, but that, that's a good one. Okay. Um, uh, curious, uh, it, it, who in here agreed with Timmy and said Frosty the Snowman? Okay, so a couple of you. All right. Did anybody say um, Kevin? Did anybody say Kevin? Nobody said Kevin? Wait, wait, wait. Come on. There got to be some younger people. Somebody saying Kevin. Okay. Perfect. All right. All right. I got you there. What, what about, um, did anybody say uh, Bruce Willis? I love it. All right. Did anybody say um, Buddy the Elf? Okay, Angie did. A couple of y'all did. Uh, what, what about in the back row we had Buddy the Elf? Uh, what about um, the Grinch? Okay, the, the Grinch. It's like, like this week I've been asking that question to people, and it seems like Buddy the Elf and the Grinch are the two that are getting the most, okay? And I'm like, that's who's getting the most. You know who's not getting any love? Santa. Like, I, I was at our young adults group Monday night, and I asked this question, Santa didn't come up. You know what I mean? It's just like, like okay, so, so we got Santa over here. Good, good. Here are two of my favorites. The first one, I'm guessing nobody probably said. His name is the Heat Miser. Did, did you say the Heat Miser? We got the Heat Miser. I love it, Tracy, right? Like the Heat Miser is one of my absolute favorites. If you don't know the Heat Miser, that's who the Heat Miser is, okay? And you might get this. The reason I love him is he's short, he's red, and he's angry. Like, like that's me, bro, right there. And some of you know the snow miser. Anybody remember the snow miser or cold miser? I don't like him because he's cold and he's tall. No offense to you tall people, but you know, I like, you know. Here's the other one I love. And some of you said this one. Rudolph, right? And again, the reason I love Rudolph is he's little and he's red, right? Like, like if you know Rudolph's story... He's a misfit. The, the whole story of Rudolph is about misfits. That you've got uh, Hermie the dentist, who's supposed to be an elf, so he's a misfit. That you've got Yukon, that, that Yukon's a misfit. That they go to the island of misfit toys, and while they're there, they meet Charlie in the box, and, and they meet uh, the train with the square wheels, and they're all misfits. And, and Yukon is sitting there going, oh, we're all a bunch of misfits. And, and then the lion says, well, you're not a toy, so you're not welcome here. And I love this line in the movie. Yukon says, we are misfits amongst misfits. And, and I think that's exactly who we are. I, I think that, that for all of us, we could probably recognize that, that we are misfits. And I, I'm going to dig into that in a second. But, but 
But I just believe that probably all of us at, at either different times in our life, maybe in the past, like there's a picture, I don't have it to show it to you, but there's a picture of me in fifth grade where I look like a misfit. Did, how many of y'all have that picture probably somewhere between fifth grade and eighth grade, right? That you're like, nobody gets to see that picture. Your hair's going one way, your teeth are going the other, Right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it happens at that age where we all feel like misfits. Who has felt like a misfit at some point in your life, right? We all. We all do. And here's the good news today. Here's the good news of this series that we're going to do for the next four weeks as we prepare for Christmas is simply this. That God does his greatest work in and through misfits. Amen? That God does his greatest miracles in and through misfits. Ephesians 3.20 reads this way. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That I believe God works his best miracles. He does his best work in and through misfits. And if that's the case, then, then I want us to start with just identifying that we're misfits, that 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 we need to come to a conclusion that every one of us in this room, everyone watching online, everyone at J. Rubin, wherever you might be, we're misfits. And there's reasons we're misfits. We're misfits in many different reasons. One, if you are a follower of Christ, you're a misfit. That scripture says that, that you are an alien in this world, that you are a foreigner in this world, that we are a misfit in this world based upon what God's desire for us and how we are to live for heaven and, and for eternity. I, I would say we're also misfits because we've sinned. See, when God created us, and you can go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, back to the, the book of Genesis and to the first chapter, and we see that God wove us together, that God created us, mankind, man and woman, God created. So he created you, he created us all, and he did so so that we would be in an intimate relationship with him. In the beginning of the Bible, we see that Adam and Eve, they walked in fellowship with God. They walked hand in hand with God through the garden. That we were designed, we were fit into a relationship with God. Yet we all sinned, all right? Adam and Eve were the first ones to do it. But bottom line is we've all sinned. And because we've all sinned, we've broken relationship with God. That we've broken that fit that we had, and because of sin, we're misfits. Uh, another reason that we're misfits is not just because we, we are no longer in that perfect relationship with God because of sin, but the sin that we do creates havoc in our life and causes us to be misfits. For some of us, we're misfits because of our own actions. Some of us feel like misfits because of what others might say about us. 
But one way or another, I believe that we're misfits. I remember just earlier in the week talking to a couple people from church, and I said, if you were to call yourself a misfit, if you were to label yourself, or maybe somebody else labeled you in the past and it made you feel like a misfit, what is it that you would say about yourself. And, and I handed them the, like a Christmas tag. And I said, put on there how you would label yourself and, and why you would call yourself a misfit. And I, I took some pictures and I want to show them to you here. That, that one person said they're a misfit because they feel forgotten. Another person said, I feel like an outsider, especially amongst men. Somebody else said, I feel like a failure. Somebody else said, I'm not enough. I'm a misfit because I'm just not enough. Or I'm a misfit because I'm uninvited. I'm a misfit because I'm isolated. I'm a misfit because I'm seeking man's approval. Or I'm a misfit because I'm a wanderer. What would, what would you write on a tag? Like if you could think of a Christmas tag that, that normally says to and from, but if you reverse that and you said from, what would you label yourself as and why you would say you are a misfit? I can tell you for me, it would be this, forgotten. I felt like a misfit as a child because I felt forgotten. And I'm not going to go all the way into the story because I have several times here at church. But, but real quick, the, the reason I felt forgotten is because as a kid, I, I basically felt abandoned. All right? now, now, I have a great mom, a great stepfather, an incredible brother. So, so I don't want to make it sound like it's on them. It, it, it's primarily on me and, and the feelings I had towards my real father. See, when, when I was born, I was born with some birth defects, and my real father, he split. He left my wife, my wife. He left my mom at that point. Um, and, and I believed, as a young child, I believe he left because of, of the birth defects I had, that, that I thought he left, that, that he abandoned us because of me. All right? That's what I thought. That's the reason I thought I was a misfit. Reality was, him and my mom were having issues, and, and he decided to go, go a different direction, right? But, but as a child, I didn't think it was something that was his fault. I thought it was my fault. And the earliest memory I have as a kid was as a three-year-old, my mom and my older brother walking down the sidewalk, and my brother was getting to go and visit my dad, who lived in California, but I wasn't. I remember standing there on the front porch with my grandma, holding her hand, crying, all right? And I don't remember anything else as a three-year-old, but I vividly remember this. I remember my, my brother and my mom walking away and saying, I want to go. And my mom saying, you can't. And the whole reason I was thinking I couldn't was because my dad didn't want me. The reality was I was three. I couldn't get on a plane, all that. But that's not what was in my brain. What was in my brain as a child and all the way through those elementary years was looking back to that day going, I am forgotten. I'm a misfit. That nobody wants me. And whether I'm a misfit, misfit because of 
own errant thinking in my head, whether I'm a misfit because of what others have, have said, whether I'm a misfit because of my own sin and the repercussions of my sin, that what will often happen is we'll think because we're a misfit, God can't use us, but the reality is God does his best work in and through misfits. And we see that in the Christmas story. Like, we don't have to look very far. Look at Mary. Mary was a misfit. If you know the Christmas story, that, that Mary was a, a teenager. She would have been probably around 16 or 17. Could have been as early as 14, as, as late as maybe 19. But, but what we can gather through history and through culture of that time, we can imagine she was probably 16 or 17 years of age. And an angel visited her in the middle of the night and said, hey, Mary, you have found favor with God. And when she hears that, she's freaking out because it's an angel. And the angel says, no, 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 you found favor. You're going to be with child. And Mary's like, nope, can't happen. Never been with a man. Right? I'm engaged to, to Joseph, but, but we've been living pure. So, so nope, that, that's not. He goes, no, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And the child that you're going to carry is going to be the son of God. So from that moment on, she is a teenager out of wedlock living in a world that says you could have been stoned for being pregnant. She could have been killed for being pregnant. That all throughout town, people would have looked at her and saw this pregnant teenager and saw a misfit. They would have saw a lady going, oh, no, no, trust me, this is from God. And imagine that, right? If any of us heard somebody come up to us and say, oh, no, I'm pregnant and it's from God, we got like, you crazy. <laughs> misfit. Joseph, misfit. See, Joseph was engaged to be married to, to Mary. And, and back then, engagement was a legally binding contract. And when he found out that she was pregnant, he's like, well, I got to divorce her. Now, he was going to divorce her quietly, but, but he's like, I got to divorce her. I got I to gotta end this engagement. I, I've got to get her out of my life. But an angel showed up to him. We'll read about that in a second. But an angel showed up to him and said, no, take her as your wife. So for the rest of his life, think about it. As he's raising a child, everybody in town's going, that ain't his boy. Misfit. Now think about the shepherds. Probably teenage boys out in the field. And an angel decides to show up to them. God says, I want those young men to be the first witnesses of Jesus. I want them to be the first ones who worship him. We often think it was the wise men who were the first to worship Jesus. No, it was the shepherds. The shepherds in the middle of the night hear a story that there's a baby lying in a manger. His name is Jesus, and he's going to save the world. Go find him and go worship him. And then they went out from there telling everybody about Jesus. And everybody's looking at these guys going, you're a shepherd. You're misfits. Uh, go a step further to the apostles, to the, to the people that Jesus said, I want you to follow me. That, that he went after a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, hated by everybody. And Jesus is like, will you follow me? Misfit. 
Simon the Zealot. Simon's the one who wants to kill everybody. And he especially wants to kill the Romans and those who works for the Romans. So he probably wants to kill Matthew, who, who he's probably having to go out and do ministry side by side with. Misfit. Or think about James. James is a follower of Jesus. He's an apostle. Now, now James has a funny nickname. His nickname is James the Less. Who here wants to be called the less, right? Like Stephen the less, you know what I mean? Like, like you're like, oh, please let that be my nickname, right? And, and think about it. This is amongst other guys with great nicknames. You have the other James and John, sons of thunder. You got Peter the rock. Hi, I'm James the less. <laughs> Misfit. You got Mary Magdalene, other followers of Jesus, who every time it talks about Mary, it is said that she was demon-possessed and that she had been healed. Like, hi, I'm Mary. Yeah, I'm the one who had all the demons in me. Uh, Hi, I'm Zacchaeus. Yes, I'm the short one. That if you look through the apostles, the Christmas story, to the apostles, to the followers of Jesus, many of them were misfits. But God's love worked in them. And if you'll allow God's love to work in you, you'll see a miracle happen. I I love the way Ephesians talks about it. And I just want to read this scripture. It says, when I think of all of this. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the love of Jesus, by the way. It says, when I think about all of this. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Like, like, let's just pause right there. Focus on that statement. Then... Christ will make his home in your hearts when you trust in him. That when you say, you know what, I am a misfit, but Jesus came to rescue the misfits, so I'm going to put my, my faith in him. I'm going to put my trust in him. Then he's going to take up residency in my heart. It goes on, it says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen? You see that? Like, like, like what the writer is getting at there is that when we come to an understanding of the love of God, it takes all of those thoughts that we had about being forgotten and abandoned and isolated and uninvited. It takes all of those thoughts and erases them and changes them because you realize through the love of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, that we are set free. And when I take that love, when I recognize that love, here's the beauty, it works in me. 
and it develops great roots that holds me strong so that then Christ can work through me. And that's what I believe Christ wants to do in us, is I believe he wants to work in us through his love and then through us through his love as well. And, and, and I believe God can work through each and every one of us. And there's countless ways he can work through us, all right? I have no way to go into all the different ways God could work through you during this Christmas season. But let me give you three. Let me, let me give you three things that I believe that if we will put these into practice, even over the next 21 days, three weeks till Christmas, what would it look like if we put these three things in practice over the next 21 days? Maybe you'll see God work through you as a misfit through the Christmas season. Here they are, all right? If you're a note taker, this is your, your kind of application point. Here you go. That, that I believe God wants to work through you in the way that you're faithful. That, that through this Christmas season, say, I, I'm going to be faithful. Uh, let me go back to Rudolph for a second. You know, Rudolph was faithful. Now, at first, because of his labeling and being called a misfit, that, that he ran and kind of was off on his own. But when he heard that his parents were, were looking for him and he heard that his parents were in trouble, he was faithful to them and went after them. And then Yukon heard that Rudolph was in trouble. He was faithful and went after uh, Rudolph and his family. That, that you see in the Rudolph story, some faithfulness. We obviously see that in the Christmas story. Look at Mary again. She was faithful. An angel showing up to her and saying, you're going to be with child. An angel showing up to her and saying, everything you dream for your life, out the window, I got a whole new dream for you. That, that everything that you thought was going to happen, well, that's going to change a little bit because now you're pregnant. But she was faithful to God. In the highs and in the lows, she was faithful. That, that she actually, it's recorded that this is what she said to the angel. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Like, like, like Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm faithful. No matter what you ask, I'm willing to do. What, what is the Lord asking you to do this Christmas season? Will you be faithful? I mean, Timmy, just a little bit earlier, talked about giving. Will you be faithful to God in your giving? Like, like we're going to give to people we love. We're going to give Christmas gifts. We're going to, uh, you know, uh, reach out and serve people. We're going to help some people in need. Will you be faithful to God in your giving? Will you be faithful to God in your obedience? Will you be faithful to God in your walk? Will you be faithful to God when you're on the mountain and you're singing the carols and, and you're watching the movies and you're like, man, the Christmas season is great. Will you be faithful to God when you're in the valley and the job's not going the way you want, the loved one's not there this year, the sad sadness and heartache comes in? Will we walk in faithfulness to God this year? I believe if we'll walk in faithfulness, God will do his greatest work in us and through us. I think another thing we need to do this Christmas season is be thoughtful. That we need to be faithful and we need to be thoughtful. 
Going back to Rudolph for just a second, that, that Rudolph was thoughtful, that, that once he got rescued and now he goes back to the North Pole and Santa says, hey, will you allow your nose to lead my sleigh tonight? And, and he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And, and then they jump in and they, they take off and Rudolph's like, hey, Santa, we got we to gotta go back to the island of misfit toys. That Rudolph was thinking about those misfits and how they needed to be rescued. Who do you need to be thoughtful of this Christmas season? Let me talk about Joseph again. See, Joseph, remember, he was like, I'm going to divorce Mary quietly. Let, let me read you the text. It reads like this. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. That Joseph was being thoughtful of Mary. That, that he could have inflicted capital punishment. He, he could have had her killed. But instead of that, he's like, no, I want to honor her the best way I can. I, like, 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 you know, she's been sleeping around on me, so I, I'm not going to marry her, but I'm at least going to divorce her quietly. But then, let me keep reading. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. That Joseph heard from the angel, and when he heard from the angel, he was thoughtful, and he said, okay, I'm not just going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to do what God calls me to do, and I'm going to think of her. I'm going to take her in. I'm going to think of Jesus. I'm going to take him in. I'm going to think of all the people that need to be saved, and I'm going to do my part. God wants to do a miracle in you and through you, and I believe one of the ways he wants to do that this Christmas season is by us being thoughtful, of us thinking about Jesus and thinking about others. Who's the neighbor that, that you need to think of this Christmas season? Who's the, who's the co-worker that you need to be thinking about this Christmas season? Who's the family member that you need to be thinking about this Christmas season? Who's the people that God puts around you that you go, I need to be thoughtful, and I need to think about what their needs are and how I can step up and do it? And then the last word I'll give you today is worshipful, that I believe God can work through you this Christmas season. He can do his best work through you when you're faithful, when you're thoughtful, and when you're worshipful. The Rudolph story one last time is Rudolph, he's going through the night, and because of his nose, he brought light into the darkness, right? And if you know the story, everybody was in amaze of Rudolph. Well, that's a great story, but we all know it's a fiction-based story. It's a great story, but it's not real. But the greatest story of all time is real. And the greatest story of all time is about how light came into the darkness, and because light came into the darkness, we worship. See, that's what the shepherds did. The angel said, go, the Savior, the Messiah has been born in the city of Bethlehem. Go and see this baby lying in a manger. So they're running around town. They're asking people, hey, have you seen a baby in a manger? And people will be like, you nuts. 
But they find him. They find Jesus. And they worship They stand in awe of him. They bow in awe of him. And then from there, they go out and they tell everybody about him. They worship by by expressing and, and acknowledging who Jesus is. Let me read this scripture. They hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph and... And there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were amazed. They were all amazed that the shepherds worshipped. And because of their worship, others did as well. And I believe one of the greatest things God can do in us and through us happens when we worship him. It's one of the reasons we gather every Sunday morning to worship. It's the reason we're gathering tonight for a Christmas night of worship because we just want to stand in awe of God. It's the reason that we we put cards out everywhere during the Christmas season so you can go and you can invite others so that they can be in awe of God as well. I really believe one of the greatest works God can do through you this Christmas happens when we worship. Because when we worship, everything changes. Everything changes. And, and that takes me back to this Christmas tag. That everything changes when, when I'm willing to be faithful to God and call out to him. Everything changes when, when I'm willing to be thoughtful of who Jesus is. Everything changes when I'm willing to be worshipful of Jesus. That he takes me from this idea of forgotten and he writes a new story and I can say personally I went from forgotten to found that's my story is I'm a misfit I know that because of my own sin I'm a misfit in some of my errant thinking of what others thought about me. But again, more than anything, I'm a misfit because of my own sin. I know that. But God does his greatest work in misfits. And for me, it's going from forgotten to found. For other people in our church, it's going from unseen to heard and loved. It's going from ashamed to worthy. It's going from unwanted to fully loved. From worthless loser to prized possession. From white trash to whole. From abandoned to accepted and loved. From tormented by my past to set free. From junkie to sober, that God does his greatest works through misfits. 
I want you to look up on this wall. I know you can't read them all, but these are different people that I had a chance to stand right on this stage with on Tuesday night who were willing to testify of the greatest work that God had done in them. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. Because Jesus is thoughtful. And because Jesus, as an act of worship to the Father, came and died and restored us. And because of how high, how deep, how wide, and how long his love is, we get to be restored. He works miracles in misfit. And I want you to allow that work to happen in your life today. When you came in, you were given a Christmas tag. If you didn't get one on your way in, there's some there in the seats. And I want to encourage you, maybe just you by yourself sitting at your chair, just take a pen and, and write what you are from to what you are to. And maybe for you, you want to take it a step further. And you can take that Christmas tag and you can hang it up. There's two different ways you can hang that up. One way you can hang that up is on our prayer walls. There's, there's a couple grids there, and there's a grid over here on our baptistry. That there's some Christmas hooks, some tree hooks right there. And you can take that tag, and you could write, this is what I'm from, and this is what God has taken, taken me to. And you can hang it there as an act of prayer saying, I want to acknowledge this. Some of you will be like, no, I'm taking it home, and I'm putting it on my tree. Because I want my family to see do that as an act of worship. But either way, maybe it's just you writing it just between you and the Lord there at your chair. Maybe it's you posting it up on the prayer wall. Maybe it's you taking it home. But I want you to acknowledge today the work that he has done in the misfits. And maybe, maybe you're here today. And maybe for you, today's the day that you go from loss to found. Maybe today that you go from misfit to somebody God has worked a miracle in. Because every time somebody gives their life to Christ, we go from death to life, from, from lost to found, from hell to heaven, from unsaved to saved. And that is a miracle only that God can do. It is a miracle only God can do. We get to cry out. But he does all the work. And maybe today is the day that you say, I want to be saved. Why don't you do me a favor? Let's stand up together. And we're going to go into this time of worship. And if you're ready to be saved today, then you say that prayer to God. Then you write that out on that tag. You bring it up. You hang it on that prayer wall. And you say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. But don't stay private with it. Go public. There's some prayer counselors in that connect corner right there. They're ready to receive you. There'll be prayer counselors in that connect corner. They want to pray with you. We want to help you take those steps towards Jesus. We are all misfits. But God does his greatest work in misfits. So let him work in your life. Jesus, we come before you. Acknowledging you right now. Acknowledging that we will worship. Because if, if the trees will, if the rocks will, so will we. In your name, amen.